This is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like you, but you've gone too far. Show a little class. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and, and uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smart enough. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Son of a bitch. Welcome to another edition of Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan along with you for the ride. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It is going to be another jam-packed episode. A couple of great former NHL players on tap later in the show. Uh, Ryan, why do you tease it up for us, buddy? Absolutely. We've got some gems here. We've got Mason Raymond. He's known very, very well around these parts. He's coming to town this coming weekend. For the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am going on out at UBC and uh, Sportsnet 650, obviously the main sponsor there. But uh, the other guest, this is the first time we've been able to pull this off. This is something that we wanted to do when we were just kicking ideas around about this show. The premise of the show yeah. was going to be in apologizing to former NHL players that we tormented in the penalty box. But yeah. it quickly became, hey, we have an opportunity to interview all these really cool Canuck guests. Yeah, absolutely. So we finally landed a penalty box player. Yeah, so we, we figured let's let's just go back to plan A. Let's see what we can do here. And we've got Sheldon Sure coming on the show. Is it Sure? Sure? <laughs> yeah, I don't I that was an interesting little flair you put on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, let's spice it up a little we'll bit. We'll investigate further. Yeah, right. So anyhow, he's coming on now. This guy's an absolute gem. Uh, I'm gonna stop saying gem because that's three times now within two minutes. But uh, oh, we're only ninety seconds in, bud. Are we okay? <laughs> that's even worse. But uh, nonetheless, uh, this guy, one of the absolute great defensemen of his era. And, uh, man, defensemen's like a... NHL record holder, what? dude. I can't... I'm trying to gloss over the fact that you can't Please talk. help me here. Yeah, what's going on? I don't know. It was a very long weekend, and it hasn't ended just yet, apparently. So, anyhow, Sheldon Surrey coming on the show. Mason Raymond to kick things off. Uh, coming up next segment. Very excited about that as well. Obviously, we're going to dive deep into the 2011 Cup run, among many, many other things. He's going overseas, or he has gone overseas, played with Byrne, our good uh, buddy Andrew Ebbett over there as well, also former Canuck. Uh, won bronze with Canada in Pyeongchang. Won a gold at the Spengler a couple years prior. So, uh, tons of stuff to talk about. A jam-packed show is on tap. It is going to be exciting, and and you kind of touched on it that uh, Raymond's a bit of an underrated Canuck, maybe you would think, and he has. I think he'll have some stories. I mean, he was playing with the Sedins, the Kesslers. He the huge part of that 2011 run. You know, when you think 2011, you don't necessarily immediately go, "Oh, Mason Raymond," but you look back and like he was a very important part of that second line. Absolutely, he he was a total pillar out there. So, uh, you know, and that was one of the turning points of that series. I mean. A lot of people, you know, they can point to the Ham Hughes knee injury. A lot of people point to the Aaron Rome hit. But, I mean, Mason Raymond going down was pretty huge as well. And it was something that was uh, behind the play. I don't know if it was accidental or not. It was just kind of an awkward situation there. But at the same time, uh, yeah, took him out of the series. Uh, I mean, a broken back. Mike Tyson, spinal. So, (laughs) uh, you know, it was was a tough break and obviously led to... (sighs) 
the demise of that series. So yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into all that <laughs> and much, much more with Mason yep. Raymond. We'll, we'll look to the sunnier skies of that one. I mean, Definitely. as you mentioned, some Olympics, some Spangler Cup stuff, tons of cool stuff, and also a very cool event on tap from our presenting sponsor, Pastime Sports and Games, coming up on February 9th. Pastime Sports and Games at their newest location. It's in Metro Town Mall. Marcus Naslin will be doing an autograph event starting at 11 a.m. Tickets are going very fast for this event near sellout. So get on, on it. I mean, Marcus Naslin coming to town? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so, yeah, if you go in, and I mean, Metropolis can be a bit of a maze at times, but if you go in, it's down towards the bottom floor over by that Toys R Us. They got a great spot there. And it's not just if you're going in looking for a Naslin autograph, whether it be on a stick, a card, whatever. There is so much sports memorabilia in there. It's crazy. It'll make your head spin. Uh, it's a really cool spot. And we kind of got the, a bit of a Twitter buzz going last week when we announced this autograph signing on the show because people started to put the pieces together that Marcus Naslin doesn't come to Vancouver too often. He's raising his kids in Sweden. Well, that same week happens to be the Sedin's jersey retirement. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we all kind of... St- expected that he would make an appearance, but this kind of confirms it. The Canucks haven't said anything officially, Yeah, but hey. It's it's low season with the air miles, so you might as well use them. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, too that, shabby. That is very, very true. Uh, it's been a slower week in the world of hockey because all these teams are on their bye weeks and the NHL All-Star break has arrived. Uh, a bunch of the Canucks taking off summer. Like I know Jake Vertanen partnered up with his old buddy Ben Hutton. They're down in Cabo. Louis Erickson off to Dallas. You get a six-day vacation with your family, Sully. Ooh. Anywhere you can go, but you know that you got to kind of be able to work out. You got to make sure you're not like, you know, overeating. Japan. Six days in Japan. I'm going right back. Of course, I'll probably burn two days getting over jet lag, but greatest place in the world. And you can easily work out because it'd probably take you at the very least a day or more to walk around a chunk of Tokyo. You cannot walk across all of Tokyo in a day but it is the hugest city you've ever seen, and it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Well, Show I, took a turn. You're welcome. Well, no, I just think that the coaches would hate you. I mean, oh, obviously. You come back, you're completely jet-lagged for a couple of big games. They're and taking I, on the Blues next week. And I've been eating pretty fatty tuna for six days. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of Poke Bowls. Oh, yeah. Is that, you better believe it. Is that what you had over there? Oh, yeah, no. You, the food over there is unbelievable. <laughs> the culture, I mean, they've got the little teppanyaki going on. You got some steaks on the grill. It's, I mean, it's a good time over there. I think I would just probably. I think a lot of the guys just went up to Whistler. That'd be kind of the way to yeah, go. Although you could, you yeah. can't, you can't ski or snowboard. Like you can't risk an injury. That would be a yeah. So. You can't, you can't do much. So no, you're, I mean they've got the Scandinav. You know, guys are probably getting a good rub down or something. It's a good spot. I don't know if you've been there. <laughs> I know. It's then they got the hot pools, the cold pools. I make green man money, which means zero. I don't have. I had a gift certificate. This is <laughs> this is what happens. When you get married, people will just give you gift cards and that's it. It could be just something that you've never been to and will never go to. But every now and then you get a gem. You get a, you get a, uh, a Scandinav. That's not bad. It's nice. Yeah, it's not too bad. All right. Well, before we dive into the All-Star Weekend, let's uh, recap your weekend. Because I don't think we were going to top last week's episode where we both had some awesome hockey adventures. I was playing pond hockey up in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a, a stag. Can, we, can the listeners get a follow-up? Did you get... A noise complaint, fine. We did. We did. How much? The The good news is we thought it was going to be 250 Okay. And to, sorry, and, if, and if, in case they missed it. I'll, I'll, were, set, I'll set it okay, up. Okay, there we go. Yeah, okay. good call. Good call. So uh, so we come back from the bar at Big White and at this Airbnb that we're staying, for whatever reason, if this rule was Monday to Thursday, I'd totally get it, but it's 
you know, all seven days of the week, no noise after 11 p.m. Come on now, that's ridiculous. You're, you, this, is, this is a, you know, a ski resort. Come on now. So we come back and albeit, I mean, we were up till 4 a.m. Um, there was, there was some, some techno blaring. There was popcorn everywhere. It was ridiculous. Uh, just a mess <laughs> in the morning to clean up. Most of which probably had to do with me. But yes. Uh, but yeah, so we got dinged with a noise complaint and uh, we thought it was 250. It ended up being 200 bucks. But, uh, but you know what? The memories will live on forever. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Can't put a price on a good time, my friend. Well, uh, well the, uh, that brings us to... Actually, no. I, I want to give you a little anecdote. I was going to say All-Star Game, but I want to give you an anecdote of my weekend because mm. I went and headed out to a brewery in the Fort Langley area just outside the Lower Mainland, if anyone's listening that is you know not from Vancouver. And they have a bunch of cool little breweries. Very old school. It's called Fort Langley for a reason. It's, it's old school. Oh, it's the fort, yeah. And so myself and the girlfriend, we stumble into this antique shop and it opens up into just like a complete labyrinth of nonsense. There's weird like any any of your grandparents' china, if you want to know where that ended up, it's in this antique shop. But I stumbled in and I found the sports section and there were game used sticks. And I think I'm going to go back and buy some. Game used Canuck sticks from the 90s for $24.50. And among the players... There was a Dana Merson game you stick. Ooh. Brian Bradley. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And then Dennis Peterson, the Canuck that was involved in the famous yep. Alex McGillney, Brennan Morrison trade, and Peterson was involved. So yeah, it was like 24 bucks. Yeah. But also looking at those sticks and then comparing them to what now the NHL players use, like oh, Dana yeah. Merson's stick, it was ridiculous. It was a white Sherwood. They're carrying around logs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they made it work. Nuts. Did you get a, a ghost tour while you were out there in Fort Langley? Uh, no, I've done that before, though. Yeah. Well, we, we were on the ghost tour, was it two years ago, I guess? And and if you do go to the Fort Langley Ghost, it's fantastic. But go in the group with the guy that runs it. No free ads. No free ads. Okay. So, well, this, believe me, this was not going to be a promotion. But we went with, uh, like, it was, a, it was somebody that was new. They just started there. And they were like, you know, and then he saw his wife who had been dead for 40 years. Now, I don't know this for sure. Dave was the one that did that to her, and he saw it. And then she did this for like three or four <laughs> other things. And then they saw the ghost cross the street. Now, I wasn't there personally, but Dave saw it. And yeah, and so. Here's the plot twist. Dave is was, the ghost all along. It was Dave. <laughs> it was Dave. <laughs> Uh, you know Shyamalan what? twist. I think, uh, again, I'm going to keep pushing this all-star thing back as much as possible because now it's just becoming funny to me at this point. Yeah. You're on a bit of a rant, so I think it's time for the airing of grievances, the Yuck Yucks Vancouver airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. Now, I was getting a little hot and bothered there with the ghost tour, but this is something that is not is is not a crazy issue, but you see it all the time on social media, people whining that they can't meet people in this town. Now, on Tuesday, the station, the, the sister station to Sportsnet 650 here that I do most of my work for over at Jack 96.9. We went out. It was National Hug Day. I went up to the uh, SkyTrain station, the Canada line here, and I was dishing out hugs left, right, and center. And, you know, yeah, I'm 
you know, you were throwing it out there, and of course, in today's culture, well, there's there's it's a risky you know, proposition. There's big Jack logos there. We're saying, hey, you know, who wants oh, a free hug, courtesy of Jack? And so people are probably a little more inclined. You weren't wearing like a trench coat duster. No, if I was just there in a duster, no signage, I don't think I'd be getting hugs. But the people that did hug, I just want to say, it's like it was like the first time they'd ever hugged a person in their lives. Like people are so starved for attention. I think in this town, they just need a little bit of comfort. And everyone is so cold. They're always looking at their feet when they're walking. Nobody says hi around here anymore. This city needs to be a lot more friendly. For the longest time, I was just, you know, I wasn't part of the change. I was just talking about the change. People are whining. They don't meet anybody. It's too cold of a city. And, you know, now now I get it. It is too cold of a city. People need a nice, friendly shoulder. All you got to do is crack a smile, give a little hello. How's she going? That's it. So did you warm them up? I'd like to think I did. Yeah. Physically and mentally. Well, that's canceled. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you just got canceled. Physically through a hug. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I don't know where I was going with oh, that. Oh, there you go. No, that's a pretty good rant. That, that is the uh, yuck yucks airing of grievances. Yes, yeah, people just need a helping hand every now and then. What does I don't that know. mean? I don't, it's a, I don't know. That's a, it's a phrase people say. I, I thought it was fitting. Didn't really uh, think ahead. All right. Well, uh, that <laughs> that segment aside, I'm very excited for a segment in a few minutes because we have Mason Raymond and Sheldon Surrey on the show. But first, I want to get to this NHL All-Star game. I've been putting it on, uh, off long enough. What is your take on the NHL All-Star game, Sully? Because I'm of the opinion, I don't, everyone always whines about it and said, it, you know, it's a waste of time. It's not geared towards like grown men in their 40s. It is geared towards winning over non-hockey fans and kids. Mm-hmm. And the All-Star Game was such a huge part of my childhood. I look forward to it every year. It is the collection of mega stars, and I was hooked. But it's, it's, not, it's not fair to look back at those days, though, because that's a different animal. That's when guys tried at the All-Star Game. No, they didn't. They did. No, they didn't. You're telling me Owen Nolan wasn't trying when he put up a hattie at home? No, he pointed yeah. five. So, yeah, he wasn't trying. If he was trying, he wouldn't have done that. No, he would have no. scored. God, guys tried, man. They, they went out there. It was an honor to be named an NHL All-Star. Not that it's not now... But you've seen it. Everyone's joking around. The goalie's sliding out of his net all the time. All I'm saying, because I don't think you're ever going to get an all-star game to like have that much meaning to it. But look what the MLB did. They made the winner of the all-star game get home field advantage in the World Series. So you put a little bit of spice on it. Give something like that. There's got to be some sort of incentive. You can win a Honda? Come on. Nobody in this, nobody in the league's driving a Honda these days. Look at how bad the World Series thing turned out. Like that was, imagine like a team that dominates all season long, and they're like, oh, uh, because your league lost in the All Star game, you don't get home field advantage, even though you won 110 games. Yeah, well, no, that I mean, I I can see your argument, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, are are we getting into the buzzers under the jerseys? We talking about that allegedly? No. Anyway, uh, I should rephrase too. I don't think the guys in the NHL are driving a Honda, but there are some very nice Hondas out there. I just don't know if they're a sponsor of the show or not. This so. is Honda is not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> well, not any more than Honda. Jump on, though. Jump on board. <laughs> but anyhow, no, I think there are some fixes that you could do. The, the big thing is All-Star Weekend. It's not just the game. I mean, I like, you know, going to the three-on-three is very exciting. Obviously, everyone tunes in for every single overtime because they want to see it. Uh, and that that's a nice fix that they did there. But when it comes to the actual weekend itself, the skills contest, I think there's some things that you can you can tinker with. Um, I like, I was watching, uh, I didn't watch, but it was the Pro Bowl. I just saw some things on Twitter. You know, they got raised targets. They got huge targets, and they're doing like, you know, throw it from way back here. Rather than just doing the accuracy shooting, the old Ray Bork, which it's been done for years. Put some giant targets. Get these guys shooting from center ice or something. They got the accuracy. That's just one idea. Some hot spots. 
NBA Jam Tournament Edition style. You know, you can score three if you put home a clapper from back here or something like that. And then you got the breakaway relay, which had so much potential. I was so excited about it when it came in because it was like the slam dunk contest. But then the NHL just made a mockery of it. It was a great idea. And then they're like, oh, we'll put in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to, to, to judge it. And remember that first year they had judges and like the guys just made a joke of the whole thing and nobody cared? Well, because you can't, the goalies aren't going to try their hardest because they're not going to pull a groin in that breakaway relay. I, I like what they do in the KHL, where it's like just complete chaos. Like, did you see the KHL All Star Game was last? The week. rock paper scissors. Yeah, rock paper yeah, that scissors. Was good. Breakaway relay, and the player and the goalie rock paper scissors for a goal. Yeah, it's the yeah. highlight of the season. There, there, there's some tinker in there though. Like people actually, they try in the dunk contest. Like you see some amazing dunks, yeah. and the highlight reels last forever. They're evergreen. In the NHL, you have that potential because there's some amazing guys that can, you know, juggle the puck. They can do the old scoop thing, the old Robbie Shrimp sort of thing. Uh, you can score some gems, and those highlights will live on forever. But the NHL just hasn't, you know, they, they're just missing. you got to tinker just a little. So back to my point, mm-hmm. the NHL All-Star game is mm-hmm. not geared towards 30, 40-something white guys. Well, no, hang on a second here. There are 30, 40-year-olds. These are the guys buying the tickets. This is their bread and butter. No, it's not. Who's buying these tickets? This I just said off the top, the NHL All-Star game is geared towards kids and non-hockey fans. It's not geared towards you. That's what my point is. Who's buying the tickets, though? Oh. You gotta cater to your audience here. No, you don't. That's just it. This <laughs> is this is their one like this is their one thing where like every all hockey fans kind of just like look aside like don't bother with this because this isn't meant for us. It's like the stadium series. A true hockey fan isn't watching the outdoor games because it's like it's majestic. No, you're trying to win over fans. There's a lot of fanfare. I get that. I went to the 98 All-Star game when it was here. I totally get it. And, and there's a lot of great stuff. As a kid, you're mesmerized. The stars are out there. It's great. But you can actually make this an event that people will tune in for. Don't get me wrong. I get that it's for the kids. But let's put all ticket sales and whatnot aside and let's look at TV ratings. Nobody watches the All-Star game. Are you going to watch the Pro Bowl coming up this weekend? Not a chance. I'd love to continue this in late discussion. If the players actually cared... We will get into this discussion in our final segment of the <sighs> show, but we can't... Mason Raymond's on hold. He's been on hold a long time. we got to get to him. So after the break, coming up on Green Man Radio Sportsnet 650, an excellent interview with former Canuck, Mason Raymond. Keep it tuned. Green Man Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Kick it! Welcome back to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan with you for the next 90 minutes. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by former Canuck Mason Raymond. Really looking forward to this chat. One of those kind of underappreciated Canucks throughout his tenure in Vancouver, eh, Sully? Yeah, he was a little underappreciated. I mean, the guy had some insane wheels going for him. And I think just because of how spoiled this market's been when it comes to the speedsters, as soon as somebody saw the wheels, they're like, oh, well, he'll have Burry production. Yeah, yeah, you're setting the bar a little bit high there. But the guy still did produce on a pretty high level. 
Absolutely. And it was kind of fun because you know he was probably going to get like a breakaway a game. Uh, when we found out we were going to get the chance to interview Raymond, I was watching all the YouTube clips of all his goals and half of them were breakaways. Yeah. And also, do you remember the spinorama and the shootout he continued to do and it would annoy all the goalies? Always controversial. Did he come to a full stop? Uh, it look, was always the question. Looking at it now, there's no way that goal counts. No. 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 But at the time, <laughs> there was still some confusion. Maybe we'll get into that with him. Tons of stuff. Uh, he represented Canada at the Olympics. He represented Canada at the Spangler Cup. And, of course, we'll dive deep into the 2011 Stanley Cup run. Really looking forward to this chat with Mason Raymond. And I say, well, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's, let's enjoy our chat with Mason Raymond right here on Green Men Radio. All right, our next guest is a Canuck fan favorite known for his blazing speed and curly flow. A second-round pick of the Canucks in 05. He made his mark in college playing for Minnesota Duluth, finishing second in league scoring behind this guy, Jonathan Taves. He turned out okay. He cracked Vancouver's lineup in 2007 and was a mainstay for six seasons, representing the Canucks at the 09 Young Stars game and was an integral piece of the 2011 run to the Cup Final. Outside of his career here, he has represented Canada on the international stage with a 2010 appearance at the World Championships in 2016 at the Spengler Cup where he won gold for the red and white as well as the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea where he brought home bronze. Please welcome to the show Mr. Mason Raymond. How you doing, buddy? Good, guys. How are you doing? Good, Very buddy. good. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's get right into it with you coming to town this weekend because you got a big Canucks Autism Pro-Am network. It's going to be a blast. Are you excited about suiting it up with some of your former teammates? You bet. Yeah, these are the these are the things I get excited for in these these kind of little charity tournaments and little get togethers. So no, it's gonna be great. I uh, still love the town of uh um I shouldn't say town, I guess, the city of Vancouver, yeah. you know, a place that my wife and I love and we you know, we do get back there almost once a month. So um yeah, happy to come in for this and uh to get the invite and I know, you know, I get a bunch of the guys that are playing, like the twins are playing, Brennan Morrison and some others that I've played with. So yeah, it's an exciting time and again for the Canuck autism, as you said, and and what it goes for, and um, again, you know, one in 46 children children in, in BC has autism, you know. Over 16,000 children and youth have autism in BC alone. So it's awesome to see the Canucks Autism too supports over 5,000 families across BC. So such a great cause. Happy to be a part of it, and, and we're looking forward to it. Great stuff. We had Brad May on last week, and he was kind of talking some smack about, because I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the format, teams based on how much money they raise can draft you. He said, if I don't go number one, I'll be upset because I can leave the Sedins, Mason Raymond, Todd Bertuzzi in my dust. Any smack talk for your former teammates? <laughs> It'll be an interesting little draft night. I uh, was warned by, by Brennan Morrison about how it goes. So Seattle will be... Uh, It'll be interesting to see. I, you know, nobody wants to be the last pick. I mean, I always remember when Phil Kessel was, I think, was the last pick in the uh, All Star game years ago. But and I'm sorry to tell you, you won't right. win a Honda if you get picked. No, <laughs> so there's none of that. But no, it should be great. I think that's all in good fun and uh, looking forward to the event. Do you still skate uh, put, like skate it up with the boys back home, or are you done completely out? Yeah. No, we got a really good alumni group here in Calgary that's heavily involved in uh, in a lot of things, like I know the Canucks are. So, uh, I mean, I always go back to it. It's such a, an unreal and an opportunity as a player to provide a service to whoever, charities, kids, anybody, just to go in there and say hi and play these games. So, um, whether it's like this or not, we also have a you know an alumni skate probably once every seven to ten days down at the Saddle Dome, and uh, it's fun. That's the camaraderie I miss. I miss being around the guys and in the in the room talking smack to one another i guess you could say or whatever else so no it's all in good fun 
Nice. Now, Mace, let's uh, let's go back to the beginning here. Uh, 2005 NHL entry draft. You're taken second round, 51st overall by the Canucks, who are just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a budding franchise. They're on the cusp of something great. What was it like entering that room? What was the feeling as a young rook? Yeah, I mean, for me, just to get drafted was something else. I don't think I was expecting or I didn't think even myself I'd go in the second round. And that was the abnormal year where we had the lockout. And I think that was like that was Crosby's draft and stuff, right? So really the first rounders, I think, or whatever went to the draft. So, um, yeah, to get drafted and, you know, that's where the dream happens and the possibility of being, you know, could I play in the NHL one day? And I'll never forget, I went to camp out in out in uh, on the island that was my first camp we had rookie camp back then for four days and you were kind of with the rookies but you know then it came to main camp and seeing guys like marcus naslin and trevor linden and the sedines and you know the list goes on guys that i idolized and you know as camp progressed and had the opportunity to playing and then i'll never forget open night you know it's something you always remember and you know i got that game sheet sitting in my office in my house now and something i look back on with nothing but fond memories and very proud of all right so let's let's talk about that game because quite the impression in your nhl debut is it that was the NHL debut, first game, first goal, first assist, a win. I mean, not too bad. Yeah, except we didn't win. Oh! <laughs> the only thing we didn't get was a win. You were right on everything else. But, uh, yeah, we, I think we lost 3-1 to one in the Sharks in that game, actually. But Brendan Morrison did a wraparound, and it was kind of interesting. Brendan Morrison now lives in Calgary, and we're, we're very good friends and continue to talk. And, you know, he started me off in my career, I guess, with that assist. And then I always remember when he – had wrist surgery a few years later and I was actually in the minors that time and I got called up because of that so I always say to myself if we're going out for for dinner I guess I'm buying I owe you so but uh yeah very fond memories of, the, of of Vancouver in general but yeah those those the first game your first NHL game pulling that jersey on having family come out for it, that's what you dreamed of as a kid so that's where I, I screwed up I, I I thought first assist but the first goal that was the victory against the Anaheim oh. Ducks John Sebastian yeah. Chaguer, a Conn Smythe winner, and you put it past him. Was that, like, one of the highlights of your career? No doubt. Yeah, I mean, again, those milestones always stick out, right? Your first goal, your first hat trick, your first whatever, right? But, uh, yeah, I remember that one well. Again, Jason Jaffrey passed it across the ice and uh, kind of offside one-timed it. and uh, Yeah, against Chaguer. So, memorable goal and, uh, you know, a puck that I have, of course, and uh, something that, you know, I need to show my kid now where he looks at this and, wants to see videos what was this dad and you know it's definitely a proud moment so it's nhl all-star week slash kind of the bye week and you got the chance to play in the 2009 young stars game and it was in montreal the bell center everyone's going wild what was the experience like suiting up with some of the like the top talents in the nhl yeah i remember again young i was green at that point i was so nervous couldn't be more nervous in the hockey market like that in montreal and uh I don't know if people remember right, but we got introduced and we ended up being the in I ended up being in the fastest skater myself and Andrew Cogliano. And uh I was pretty it was just a little fast. Went, yeah, exactly, right? And we were given everything we got. Anyway, we went around the corner and I'll never forget I lost my edge and I went down. <laughs> I was so embarrassed and humiliated, but heck you were out there and you you had fun. But um uh, yeah, again, fond memories. Again, those things stick out, right? And you know, I always dreamt about going to, you know, the NHL, but getting to go to that, I wasn't there as an all-star. I was there as a young gun at that time. But again, something to be very cool of that weekend and, and to be a part of. Now, that, that first NHL season, uh, or, you know, almost half year, a little bit more, 49 games, 21 points. Um, you know, you follow that up, you move up to 23 points. Your following season, 53 points in 82 games. You know, obviously you're getting more comfortable at the NHL level, but do you find that there's also uh, a lot more pressure on you if you know if the points keep ascending? Obviously, the following season you got to do a little better all the time. What's what's that pressure like, kind of heading into the new year? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like anything, right? Yeah, you produce more and you're essentially paid more. Your, you know, your expect expectation levels go up. And uh, being a Canadian market like Vancouver, I mean, that's there's even more of the pressures. You're in the paper. You're in all those things, and that's just that's part of professional sports and the business, right? Is is being able to having to cope with that and deal with that. But for me, that was something. You know, I played almost my entire career in Canadian markets. So something you thrived on on days. But I mean, when things were going well, things were awesome, and you played well and I think that's also what pushed you as a player. And I know I've heard other players say that where, you know, for me, I got to that 53 points and that was something, you know, you wanted to grow on every year. Did I get to that point? No. And injuries and everything else plays factors, of course, and different line mates and, and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the game. That's pro sports is being able to, you know, to set a bar and get to there and hopefully get above that year after year. All right, Mason Raymond joining Sully and Force on Greenman Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Now, you just mentioned the 53 points. That was the career high, and it was 2009-2010. Now, I have a theory because that might have been the year the Greenman debuted. So is there a correlation between the best year you ever had as a pro and two idiots in a spandex beside the penalty box? (laughs) No question, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those guys were pretty legendary. I always remember seeing them. I remember those guys, you were like, who is that under there? What are those guys doing? Like, do they actually watch the game or can they even see the game or not? But, I mean, through that cup run and everything, they were, they definitely made a name for themselves and haunted those guys, I guess, in the penalty box and what have you. So, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch from the from the players' box and how that all played out. And uh, Was yeah, it something that the players maybe, like, chatted about? Like, I know we've had a chance to talk to, like, Kevin Biax and Ryan Kessler about it, where they said, like, yeah, like, we were kind of, like, not taking bets on what they were going to get up to, but, like, were they going to get stabbed in the throat by Duncan Keith? No question. We absolutely talked about those players. It was kind of like, what was next? What are they going to do? I mean, how, how could you not look? I mean, they were doing funny stuff, dressed in green. They, they stuck out in the crowd. So, no, it was pretty fun to watch and, I guess, entertaining at the end of the day. Nice. Let's get into the uh, 2011 Cup run here. Now, first series, first round. A tough test. I mean, a team that's had your number for a few seasons, uh, taken on Chicago, the slaying of the Dragon series. Just what was, I mean, you know, from our perspective in the green spandex, uh, on the on the outside the glass sort of thing, um, it was almost like, the way I describe it is like, like a grenade went off or a flashbang, and like you could just like see everything. You couldn't really hear what was happening. It was just pandemonium. What was the feeling uh, on the rink, on the bench, when Alex Burroughs put that home in Game 7? think relief is the first word that comes to mind i mean correct me i'm wrong i'm pretty sure we were up three to one in that series were we not and they came back and tied at three three yeah, absolutely and then you guys were up late in that game seven as well yeah so no i mean i do remember that feeling to this day still and for me that was it was almost felt like we'd won something huge i mean that was such a slay the dragon moment and again alex burroughs is, is arguably still my best friend and that uh, i talked to from the nhl we were roommates for so many years and just stuck together and I was out there for his little ring of honor there thing go. But you know what that did. I mean, we always talk as players too. I mean, what if we didn't win that series, where would we have been? Where would our careers have gone? Right. I mean, that team could have got blown up. Who knows where anybody would have gone. Right. I mean, we were that close to, to winning a cup. Of course we all know we didn't, but I mean, that, uh, that was a series that was memorable. And I mean, for me, those were the, you know, the glory years of my career and, and, you know, made such great friends there. And, uh, I enjoyed my time in Vancouver. Those were, uh, Memorable, memorable years. Uh, let's jump into the next series then, because Nashville and, and Sully and I both got a chance to travel down with the team for that one, and we witnessed maybe one of the greatest playoff series performance of all time from Ryan Kessler. And, I mean, you were phenomenal that series as well, but what was it like watching someone just completely take over a series? 
Yeah, no, I was, I mean, lucky enough to play with Ryan that whole year and stuff. But no, he, he did. He took over. He, he legit put that team on a show. We were always bugging. We were like, Cassie, you put on your cape and throw the team <laughs> on your back and away we go. But really, he did. I mean, that was a series where you watched a guy dominate um, game in, game out. It was incredible to watch and, and what he did there and, and carried our team through that. So, um, you know, it was a spectacular series. Good, uh, good atmosphere all around. And, you know, build confidence that pushed us onto the level, you know, onto the third round. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was something again. I just, he almost had that look in his eyes. I remember guys, we would always bug guests. Everybody bugged everyone, I guess, but you know, he, we would tell him, you threw that cape on guests, you keep going, throw that super run cape on. But I mean, in all seriousness, it carried us a long way. Now I want to skip ahead. Uh, you know, we're, we're, of course the highlight here is the Boston series, but I just want a quick question here. We missed one game throughout that whole playoff run and nobody missed us whatsoever by the penalty box because a girl came up to the glass and flashed the penalty box. What was the chatter like on the bench while this is going on? Ben Eager, penalty box. <laughs> what was the chatter? I don't know. It was a blur. I'd be out. So what that you missed one of the games in there? Yeah, there was, it was the one game that we didn't attend and nobody missed us whatsoever because <laughs> a girl came out and lifted the jersey. So Weird, eh? I don't know why, but I don't know. <laughs> what happened there i guess <laughs> i was just curious if there was anything going any you know any player chatter there what why, why don't we skip ahead that was that was the shark series of course there were more highlights with bx of putting it home off the stanchion but let's go ahead to boston you guys jump out to a 2-0 lead uh what's the feeling on the plane heading over to boston yeah i think i mean i don't know you can always review that whole series in hindsight but i mean yeah we felt good about ourselves i think stat show if you're up to nothing you're you put yourself in a pretty good uh, position. You're in the driver's seat. And, uh, I mean, again, I look back at my whole career and I always go back to this playoff series and, uh, game seven and the whole, the whole shebang, the whole series in general. But I mean, yeah, I mean that it was tough to go from two, nothing to all of a sudden two, two, but yeah, I mean, we felt good about ourselves going down there. No question. You were, you were in the driver's seat going down and, uh, you know, before you knew it, things had, ch- had changed. This the injuries mounted especially to you. What was what, how tough was it uh, physically, mentally, emotionally missing those last couple of games of the series? And also, what was it like when they you came to the rink and they showed you on the big screen? Uh, I believe that was during Game Seven, and the crowd just erupting. That must have felt amazing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for I mean, it was twenty seconds into Game Six, right? We were hoping to hoist the Stanley Cup that night, and. You know, I was always remember as a kid that always said, if if you're not hurt, you get off the ice and somehow some sort of matter. I mean, I look back, I should have never got off the ice and I broke my back, of course, and along with some ligament damage, the whole works. But, you know, I remember laying in that dressing room in that first period and that horn went off four times and they were up four nothing, I think, after the first. And I didn't see the guys until game seven um, back in Vancouver. But, uh, um yeah, I mean, when I came out, I was asked by the PR staff if I wanted to come out and wave the crowd, and yeah, of course I did. I mean, I want to be on that ice more than anything and uh, and uh, hoist the cup in any which way, but um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the support was unreal. I'll never forget that and, and what I got from them there, and even my first step over the boards, uh, wherever that was, seven seven months later, after I'd recovered, was pretty good ovation, you know, from the fans and sort of support. So, again, great hockey, uh, hockey mark and... Uh, I look back on that series, and that's what that still eats me alive. We were yet so close, but yet so far. And Trevor Lindon always said, you know, it's hard to get to the playoffs. I remember thinking, no, we'll get to the playoffs after that. And lo and behold, I didn't get anywhere near that close before. But uh, good memories, I guess, with the guys and what we built there. But, uh, yeah, one that, that you wish you had for sure. 
you know, game seven in the cup final, not something that a lot of guys can say they've been to. So uh, pretty cool on its own there. I, I want to ask you a question. Um, a fellow uh, Alberta guy, um, you know, one of my favorite Canucks of all time. Same thing with a lot of fans here locally, of course. Uh, uh, Rick Rippin. I, I just want to ask about, about your relationship and, um, you know, you know how you heard about everything that had happened and um, just, you know, what, what, what the feeling was like at the time. Sure. Yeah, I know. And I mean, you said it best. I mean, Rick and I built a a bond, a relationship through being Alberta boys, I guess. And I knew Rick growing up and, uh, I mean, everybody remembers what a, what a little pit bull he was, what a little fighter he was, right? I mean, the guys that he was fighting that were out of his weight. I mean, Rick and I were arguably the same weight class. I was no fighter by any means, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was a pit bull and, uh, you know, when, when the news came out and what had happened, I mean, it was a shock to everyone. Of course, you know, everybody was kind of, we knew Rick was maybe dealing with a few things, but not to that degree. And then, uh, to what happened, but, um, you know, Rick was uh, a guy we still are looking at, and I think, you know, it's Hockey Talks Month, I think, this month, and I don't know if it's 10 teams or 12 teams or something like that are now record, you know, recognizing it, if you will, and, and talking about it. And, you know, I think the message for everyone is just that, you know, asking for help isn't really a sign of weakness. It's it's basically, you know, showing strength and that you're looking to get better and, and wanting to get help and assistance. And, uh, you know, Rick will be sadly missed, always will be. And, and, you know, it's great to see that things are happening in his honour and, and people are recognizing this more and it is more vocalized. And uh, hopefully, you know, that can be touched and, and help save some lives. Well said, Mason. Uh, a few more minutes with Mason Raymond right here on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650 with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. I want to touch on the, your end of the run with the Canucks. So you, you move on and you, you join the Maple Leafs and you have a, a very successful season. Under the, like You thought the spotlight in Vancouver was tough. What was it like playing under the bright lights of Toronto? Yeah, just that. I mean, I thought there was a lot of media and stuff there, but I mean, that is arguably the, the center of the hockey world, right, in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I went in there on a tryout and uh, was able to get a contract and, and, and played well there. Um, you know, I had a lot of good memories there. And you, we talked earlier about, you know, what you're, to be honest, what you're getting paid is how you're proceeding, what you should produce. And, you know, I, I did well there for what I was making and, and I loved it. It was a stepping stone for me into my next contract. But, uh, you know, great, great times there. I mean, people even ask me today, who are you cheering for out there on the ice or whatever? You know, I cheer for the Flames because I grew up as a flame. I cheer for the Canucks because I had my longest tenure there and also cheer for Toronto. I mean, those are just the teams and friends and staff members you get to know that uh, that are there. But, uh, you know, good memories there. Big, uh, big, big hockey market. I mean, incredible as a matter of fact. And until you play in it, you probably don't recognize it. And then being an original six team is something you don't realize and, and all those little things and the history behind being uh, being a Toronto Maple Leafs is, is something I'm proud of. Now we've we've gone across the country here. We've talked about the difference between Vancouver and the Toronto market, and and I, I'm curious here. And uh, yeah, he had a you know a brief cup of coffee in in Sweden in 2012-13, but 2017-18, uh, you head across the pond. You get 35 games in with a good friend of the show, Andrew Ebbett, uh, over at SC uh, Burn. And I'm I'm just curious, what's you know he's told us before, like the the hockey atmosphere over there is actually pretty crazy. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, what was your take on your time playing overseas? Yeah, unreal. Um, yeah, I mean, Andrew's, Andrew was a big reason why I ended up going to Bern. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I'm pretty sure Bern is the number one um, uh, most attended. Like, I mean, we averaged, I think it was like 16,000, 16,500 every single game. And, you know, you compare to the NHL and the fact that, I mean, yeah, they're sold out, there's games, but there's a lot of people there and I'll call it business and corporate and suits and stuff like that, which is awesome. But those guys there they spend most of the game standing, you know, and uh, 
there's no heat in there in jackets, but the atmosphere is awesome. There's bands playing. It's just, it's, it's great. It's fun to be a part of and, and, and do. And, uh, um, you know, for me, it was a, once I was done the NHL, I wanted to experience that and go over there and play that. And I'm glad I did. And that was the same year that I ended up doing the Olympics. And a big part of going there was to get that opportunity to play in the Olympics. And something that, uh, I have nothing but fond memories. I was taking my family with and uh, went over and, uh, yeah, it was very enjoyable. You know, that leads me into my next question here. I mean, you won uh, gold at the Spengler in 2016, but 2018, uh, you get the chance to play in Pyeongchang and, and represent your country, um, you know, at the Winter Olympic Games. Just what was that whole experience like for you? I mean, you bring back a medal. Uh, I mean, just incredible. I mean, that's like what you dream about as a kid. Yeah, yeah but it's funny to say you dream about that as a kid to some degree. Playing for, you know, Canada was probably a bit of a dream. And then, I always remember as a kid, when I was on the outdoor pond, what did I dream of, to be honest with you? I dreamed about winning a Stanley Cup, Game 7 Stanley Cup. But, you know, I, going over there and being an Olympian and realizing what it, you know, all the other Olympians and athletes that are there and what they've gone through for the last four years to, to get to that point, it, it opened a whole other thing for me. And, uh, you know, we won bronze there and uh, something I'm super proud of in a task that, you know, didn't think I'd ever come true for me, but again, what you we were we did as a team, and we were offered outside, and hearing from the Alberta government and Trudeau, and just all these things, like it was something real special, and it's a whole other group of guys that you know we had a neat little bond with, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very proud to call myself an Olympian, I mean Olymp- uh, Olympic medalist, and and something as I said, uh, the best players weren't in the world there, but something that as as players that were there we were thankful for the opportunity we got and represented Canada the best we could and anytime it always sounds cliche but anytime you represent your company it is unreal something special you pull that jersey over and you're just you're battling for your country and winning that bronze they always say winning bronze is better than and losing and getting a silver and the and the beauty that was for us is we did leave that you know so satisfied and left on a win and uh, and a good memory very cool, man. And, and I got to ask, I mean, as a guy that's a speedster, I mean, you loved burning it, you know, to the far outside wing there. Uh, you know, wh- what did you prefer at the end of the day? Were you an international ice guy or did you like the NHL size? Yeah, I mean, you got so used to the NHL because you played in the NHL for 10 years myself. And then you get to the open ice and, you know, the open ice is nice. And I mean, there's fantastic skaters over there. And I mean, I remember talking to the twins about it. They always said, well, geez, I didn't skate good enough to want the big ice. And, uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, one of the things that I always wish I could always have done better in my career is you go to the net, right? You get used to the being outside on the bit and, and not attacking it as much as you should. But, uh, you know, it is more of a puck possession game, I think, on that open ice and, and something I liked. I mean, oddly enough, is actually talking to Drew Shore, who had a short stint this mor- um, in, uh, in Vancouver, talking to him this morning, who he's over in Russia, and he says, you know, they play some rinks on Olympics, some on NHL, and some are kind of in between. And he says, uh, you know, he really likes that in-between ice, which I don't think I've ever played on, but... Uh, you know, the Olympic sheet's nice. It's a big surface, but, you know, I guess a lot of that's out of your control, too. All right, final question for Mason Raymond here on Green Man Radio. Now, you mentioned Alex Burroughs earlier, good buddy of yours. He was honored by the Canucks earlier this season. He's coaching over in Laval. You think, is there coaching in your future? What does the future hold for Mason Raymond? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've been, uh, I mean, Alex is great. He jumped right into it in Laval there, and uh, I think he's enjoying that side of it. You know, for me, I've I've had some opportunity to not necessarily go at that level, but have some coaching offers and to be involved with hockey. And I still am. My son now is seven, so he's playing hockey, and I'm coaching his team. But uh, you know, part of the the nice thing of retirement, I guess, from the game of hockey is you know stepping away and getting some more family traditions and being able to go for a little bit of holidays and you know having more than just a couple of days at Christmas, which is great. So uh, life for me now is I grew up on a big farm, so I'm on the egg side of it now and. Uh, 
do a lot in the agriculture business and a bit in the auto business. And uh, it's funny. People always say, like, you know, you're retired now. I would say I'm retired from the game of hockey. But, you know, in the real world, I've uh, I've just kind of begun. I'm a young man, and uh, I've never been so busy in my life. And uh, But I'm enjoying every second of it, and uh, it's been great. I've, uh, I can still be a part of the hockey world and uh, move on to the next chapter, which invariably comes. Well, the next thing on the agenda, of course, the 2020 Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Hockey Tournament going on this weekend out at UBC. That is exactly where you'll find Mr. Mason Raymond and many, many others. Thank you so much for joining us, bud, and uh, best of luck this coming weekend and with all your endeavors. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Truly appreciate it, buddy. All right, that interview brought to you by our friends over at Yuck Yucks just announced... The Just for Laughs Comedy Fest coming to the Yuck Yuck stage. Melissa Villas and your Saturday Night Live. I can't say Saturday. Saturday Night Live alumni. February 13th, 15th. Three shows. Get on it. Check them out. Yuckyucks.com slash Vancouver or across social media at Yuck Yucks Van. I think he'd be a pretty good coach. He's got the experience. The resume speaks for itself. I think he should jump in. As he said, like him and Burroughs are buddies. He's got the in there. Why not make it happen? This could work. Um, I, I think he's kind of gone back into like his, his business and farming roots, though. So he's he settled it. There are some deep farming roots. We didn't really get we didn't really dive in too much, but yeah, he's a total country boy. Uh, and so I mean that's why it was pretty cool to see. Like in his career, he stayed on the West Coast for the most part. And then he also got a few years in his own backyard in Calgary there, too. That's got to be pretty awesome. And then jumping overseas, I feel like a lot of the players we've interviewed, they kind of go out and just end their career with one spectacular season overseas because why wouldn't you want to live in Switzerland or Austria or Absolutely. Sweden for a year? Check it out. Like, I, I want to go to Switzerland based on all these chats we've had with these guys. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I really wanted to get into with Mason Raymond, and I completely forgot, he was essentially a star on the show How I Met Your Mother. That's true. You're not wrong. Vancouver actress Colby Smulders, a.k.a. Robin Sparkles. She loved him. She loved him. And I'm sure he, maybe that's what he's most well-known for if you're like your non-sports fan. Yeah. What's her new show? Mudville or something? Mudville. (laughs) Uh, Stumptown. Stumptown. There it is. It's a a cinematic hit. Is it? Absolutely not. But it is filmed in Vancouver. Would cinematic mean it's in theaters? I don't know. And on that winning note. Yeah, okay, all right. Let's get that out here because in a few (laughs) minutes, we're going to chat with Sheldon Surrey right here on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Cannot wait for this chat. This will be our first interview with a player who was in the penalty box while we were doing our Green Man shenanigans. So we owe him a big, big apology. We'll get into that and much, much more. Again, Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. We now return to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. Knocked loose. Perry pounces on it. Steps in front. Swept off his stick. Surrey holds it in and scores! And again, Hazy, he just overpowers goaltenders. He puts it through people. Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650 continuing. My name is Adam Forsyth, joined as always by Ryan Sullivan for our number two of the show. And it is a doozy because in just a couple of minutes, we will be joined by one of the best slapshot artists in NHL history, Sheldon Surrey. Sully, I am very excited for this one. Again, the very first player we've ever had on Green Men Radio that was in the penalty box while we were in green spandex. Yeah, no, uh, pretty awesome get here. Very excited to offer up the apology, the long overdue apology. Uh, but uh, he always kind of reminded me of, of Stefan Riche a little bit, had that huge shot, uh, also spent time in New Jersey and Montreal. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that 
was one of the premier defensemen for a long time. Could quarterback a power play, that nice outlet pass, and then he just had a huge clapper from the point. It was ridiculous. And that was, again, like I always say that my peak hockey viewing experience, because I couldn't see out of the green suit. Mm. So it was always like the West Coast Express era, like the 2002, 2003, a little bit later into that. And that's when Surrey was like coming into his prime. So like watching highlights every day before school. And it was just, oh, there's another Surrey power play goal. Yeah. Clapper. Well, well, he spent some time in in BC on the way up to the NHL. We'll see if maybe uh, there was a... See if there's anything going on with the Canucks. See if there's any interaction there. Would have loved to have had him in, uh, on our side for a change. That would have been nice. That would have been like the Canuck power play quarterback that they lacked. I mean, Jovanovski and Olin were solid, but they weren't yeah. the power play guys. They were more the shutdown guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so we'll get to all that and much, much more. Sheldon Surrey cannot wait for this chat. Again, on Green Men Radio. Our next guest is perhaps best known for having one of the best slap shots in NHL history, but he backed it up with an amazing career representing Canada at the 2005 World Championships where he won silver. He played in three NHL All-Star games, holds the NHL record for most power play goals in a season by a D-man with 19, had stops in New Jersey, Montreal, Edmonton, Dallas, and Anaheim, and while with the Canadians, enjoyed his most success, including a stellar 2006-2007 season in which he finished third in scoring among NHL D-men. Please welcome to the show, Sheldon Surrey. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? We're, we're fantastic. Thank you for joining us on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Sheldon, before we jump in, because we've got a ton of questions about your career, but we got to start off with an apology because we'll set the, we'll set the scene. On Saturday, December 26, 2009, the Canucks facing the Oilers, 13.07 of the third period. You took an interference penalty. And in our second ever game as the Green Men, we heckled you in the penalty box. We're very sorry. We had to get that out of the way. <laughs> I actually remember that. I remember thinking, who the heck are these guys? But uh, congratulations on a good career yourselves. Jesus. Well, I'm glad we got you early in our Green Men careers before it kind of all went haywire because, yeah, you would have had uh, no idea that was coming. So, uh uh, for fan interactions, I mean, uh, outside of the Green Man stuff, has there been a, a memorable fan interactions? I mean, you played in Montreal, uh, very passionate fans there, or like an opposing rink where players were given it to you? I don't think I ever had any interactions where I was like, wow, that was, you know, aggressive. I think people, in my experience, um, you know, when I played too, there wasn't like all the social media and there wasn't people trying to get, you know, under your skin or anything like that. So my experience was all pretty good. And, uh, I knew that when, when, if I wasn't playing well personally or if the team wasn't playing well, um, that, you know, maybe you just remove yourself from those situations because people are passionate, man. They, you know, they live through you. They live through the team, and, and that's what fires them up. But um, as a whole, I think that uh, I was pretty lucky with, with fans who were really, uh, really great to me. Nice. Hey, hey, Sheldon, I want to go back to the, the green men thing for just a moment here. And, and I'm always curious. I mean, we, you know, we see the player reaction in the box and whatnot. Um, and, you know, the, whenever we talk to guys, they always try to act like they, they don't remember it or they forgot it because they don't want to see or talk yeah. about a crotch that was in their face. So, um, but I am curious. I mean, when it comes to the Oilers, I mean, uh, Halsey and Everly went dressed as us for Halloween around that time. And, and what was the thinking in the room with these guys? I mean, did you, did you chat about the spandex? I mean, it is, it's gotta be a little weird to look at the first time you see it. Well, we tried not to look too hard, right? I mean, you, it was like, <laughs> for the best. I don't know if it was taboo to look. I mean, you, you guys weren't leaving much to the imagination down there. I remember that. <laughs> um, no, it, it was fun, man. You know, when you get um, some of that interaction, you guys were always, you knew that if you're going to the box, you're going to get ribbed a little bit. I, I bet it's just like now with uh, Philly and, you know, having Gritty out there. I mean, it, it's it's part of it, 
I don't know. My my own experience again is that you guys are fun, and you know it, it's part of the experience of going to a game. I mean, you got to be able to take a little bit and give it back a little bit, and and that's kind of you know that's that's part of being able to be at a game. That's what makes it different than let's say watching it on TV, right? As you uh, you can have those little personal moments. So um, no, I think you guys were you know had always done things in a in a uh, entertaining way not in a malicious way no we appreciate that that's what we're trying to go for right just like it's fan entertainment it's hockey it's supposed to be fun for the most part and then you guys are out there doing your jobs uh but a lot of uh, clever it was really clever i I gotta give you guys credit it's clever you know it was something that 10 years ago i mean the mascot things weren't that big in in canada for sure i mean we didn't have montreal we had up and and uh i don't think we had anything in edmonton but you know, the game was selling itself, right? But if you go to places now like Las Vegas or Philadelphia and you see some of these mascots, it's part of it. It's part of a fan experience, and, and they're creating that by going to the rink. And I think it's awesome, you know, as long as it's not interfering with, with the game or, like I said, kind of crossing a line where you're like, you know, want to start swinging a stick at you guys. It's all part of it, and, and I think it's clever and it just brings that uh, a little bit of added value to to the experience. There's a few guys probably. Uh, Duncan Keith jumps to mind who might want to have killed us at some point. But yeah, for the <laughs> most part, it was all good. A lot of uh, fan interaction, too, at the NHL All-Star Games. It is All-Star Week. Uh, you played in three of them, as I mentioned off the top. What's your take on those games? Did you enjoy them? I mean, it must have been a blast doing the hardest shot competition. And then there's another chance to kind of interact with the fans. I loved it. I mean, you know, my experience might be different. I remember my first All-Star game was you know, Messier and uh, Yarmer Jaeger and, and some legends of the game. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that weekend, right? And there's, uh, there's pictures, there's practices, there's, you know, promos you're cutting, there's uh, uh, meetings about the skills and, and all. There's a lot that goes into that weekend. So you're busy for three or four days. It's not like you just go and, you know, you show up for, you know, wet your hair and show up for the skills competition. It's, it's like there's, there's things you have to do. And um, you're usually doing something in that town, something like grassroots, whether you're going to a school or, you know, something like that. So they're busy weekends. So for the guys, my first year, like Messier and Jaeger, I mean, I don't even think I've seen those guys until there was a team picture and then they showed up for the game, you know I mean? But they earned that right. And, and they'd done a lot of them and, um, and that's the way it worked for them. But for me, I never expected to play in an NHL all-star game. Like that wasn't ever, you know, something that was on my radar growing up. It was, if I got to play one game in the NHL, that would have been, you know, you just kill me right now. My, my life was over. I, I've lived my dream. Nice. Now, now let's rewind a little bit because you spent some time in BC. And if you're just joining us, Green Men Radio with Sully and Forrest chatting with longtime NHLer Sheldon Surrey. Now, you grew up in Alberta. You bounced around the dub a little bit, but you spent time in Kelowna, beautiful Kelowna in the Okanagan, and tremendously beautiful Prince George as well. Do you have fond <laughs> memories of your time in BC? I mean, what were, uh, you know, some of the highlights for you? Dude, I love BC. I mean, BC was my first. Uh, kind of home away from home. So I played in BC when I was 15 up in Quinnell, which is northern BC up by Prince George. And uh, at the time, I had gotten suspended from the Midget uh, League in Canada, or not in Canada, in, in Alberta. And so I had to find a place to go play. And in Quinnell, they had this young 14-year-old phenom named Terry Ryan, who was, you know, going to be the next number one pick and, you know, the next Wayne Gretzky. So 
uh, I went up to Cornell as a 15 year old, uh, just kind of to get some eyes on me for the WHL cause they had, cause Terry was there. And so I played there as a 15 year old, um, and then 16, 17, I was in tri cities. And then I think when I was 18, I got traded to Prince George. And then the last part of that 18 year old season, I think I was in, uh, Kelowna. So, you know, kind of covered all my bases in, um, in, in BC. I mean, I, I actually really wanted to play for the Canucks, you know, at one point, I mean, the, the, a hockey city that's, you know, got that much going on in such a cool city was like something that I really, I would have enjoyed that opportunity, I think. And, uh, I enjoyed my, everywhere I played was kind of fun. You know, it was all kind of great. But when I'm like 14, 15, 16, you know, moving away to play hockey, um, I got in with some really cool billet families and, uh, it, it was awesome. BC to me is like my home away from home. Oh, that's awesome. So are you like a Kelowna guy in the summer kind of thing? No, I live down in uh, Idaho in the summers. Oh, fantastic. Um, so I spend my summers now in the States. I've been in the States for a long time. You know, as soon as I, I started playing in the NHL and I could, what I thought was afford to live in the States, uh, I moved to California in like 99. So my off season home has always been back in, um, in the U S just because, you know, I wanted consistent weather when I was going back home to fishing lake in the summers. I mean, it was August one year and it snowed. So <laughs> yeah. when that happened, I said, uh, you know, that's going to be the last summer for me here. Understandable. All right. So let's get into your NHL career then. Cause you said that maybe there's some hopes you end up with the Canucks, but you end up on the East coast, the devil's drafting you uh, third round in 1994. And I was kind of reading a bit about uh, your interactions with Lou Lamorello because apparently uh, by your own admission, your second camp, you came to camp a little bit out of shape, and then you got the wrath of Lou. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, dude, it was, you know, uh, I was really lucky uh, to get drafted by New Jersey. I mean, I didn't know anything about about anything. I was just, you know, some some cocky kid who thought that getting drafted was just, you know, it was a, it was a, uh, it was my right. So I go back and I play junior that year. Uh, I go up to Albany at the end of the season and uh, we win the Calder Cup there. I'm 18 years old. Uh, and then I go up to New Jersey as a black ace and we win the cup there. And so I thought that's just the way it happened, right? I mean, this winning thing's kind of easy. <laughs> and um, so that summer I, I sat back with uh, some of the, you know, bonus money from, from the playoffs. And uh, man, I, I thought I thought it was just, you know, New Jersey was so in love with me. How lucky were they that, that they drafted me, right? And uh, so I go into camp the next year. And I, I hadn't trained all summer. I think I did some push-ups about a week before I went to camp. And I think I jogged on the treadmill for about 18 minutes and died. And So I go into uh, to training camp, and I'm out of shape. And um, I, I think that I was actually allowed to practice one time. And then the next couple practices... Uh, Lou held me out and he called me up to the office. He said, we're sending you down to, to Albany. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, dude. And there wasn't even a training camp. You know how, how the minors starts after, like there's not even a training camp in, in the minors when the NHL is going on because all these guys have to get cut from your NHL teams in order to, for there to be uh, a training camp in the minors. So they sent me down. I was like the only guy in Albany living in this hotel. I mean, I didn't know anybody there. And, uh, and Lou called me up after I, I, I think I skated with Albany once or twice. And then I got called back up to uh, New Jersey and I thought, well, finally, you know, I learned my lesson. I'm going back up 
to, to New Jersey. And um, Lou sat me in his office and he said, you're just, dude, you will never, ever even see another training camp uh, if you ever show up in, in this kind of shape and disrespect yourself and the organization like you have again by showing up um, so unprofessional. And that, to me, dude, it, you know, it stung at the time. You know, I have to tell my parents, you know, how's camp going? Well, uh, actually, I'm in Albany by myself. I mean, that was kind of humbling, you know. And um, and then having the conversation that Lou kind of gave me the pee-pee whacking that he did, um, I went back though, to, to juniors that year, and I had a really good year in juniors. And, uh, you know, I kind of learned my lesson, I guess, so to speak, is, is to, I mean, this is like, this is professional. This is a, this is a life, right? Guys are getting paid for this. This is no longer just a uh, show up and do what you want type thing. Was, there's a lot that goes into it. So something that I, I look back on and I'm like, that, that really did change um, my perspective into like, this isn't, you know, this isn't some cool thing just to wear an NHL jersey and say you're drafted. Like this is going to, this is going to take some work. Yeah. Holy cow. Lou is a, Lou is a perennial badass from the sounds of it. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's how they get you to the casino, too. You go in, you win a couple times, you think you got it made, and then they drain yep. you. So, same deal. Um, I've well, lived that had, one. I haven't lived the NHL life. Too, the which, sorry? They had really good guys, you know, and they made you accountable. I mean, there was Scott Stevens, Marty Brodeur. I mean, they had other guys who, if Lou didn't say anything, the other guys were making you feel like, you know, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but for Lou to say it, you know, it, it's like having that dad, that tough love type thing. And, uh, and I sat in Lou's office a couple of times and he has uh, funny stories. He has a desk and his chair is a little taller than the chair you sit in across from his desk. Right. So he looks a little, a little higher than you. <laughs> and, uh, so it's, he's not that big of a man. So it's kind of intimidating. He's looking down on you just, just when you sit down. So you kind of know you're in trouble. You're in the principal's office. And, uh, you know, I've had uh, a couple tough, um, uh, a couple tough conversations with him, but uh, he really, I, I got to say that Lou Lamorell is probably the biggest uh, influence on my professional career for sure. Yeah. I'm, you know, it, it's hard to argue with such a legend eh, when he starts uh, throwing some wisdom at you there. So let, let's move ahead into uh, you, you head over to Montreal. You start quarterback in the power play, something that really became you know, kind of the backbone of, of your career. I mean, you know, we were moving ahead. I mean, you scored 19 power play goals one season, NHL records. So, um, you know, what was what was the the deciding factor? What was the change there that, uh, you know, you started stepping up as the leader uh, on special teams? So when I got traded um, and I went to Montreal, I, I finished decently that season. And the next year I'd come in and um, I broke my hand. And I remember when I was sitting out uh, with my my hand and my career was kind of in the balance because the doctor said he wasn't sure if I was going to be able to play hockey again, broke my wrist. And I said, well, I just had a baby. Uh, I just got married. So I needed the paycheck. It really wasn't, you know, an option to, to not be playing again was not really an option. And so I knew that I was going to be committed to, uh, to my rehab there. And, um, and what happened was I was sitting in the press box one night in Montreal and I'm sitting beside these scouts and I was at the game like I had done, um, you know, 50 times that season watching the team play. And there was a couple scouts. One was from Montreal and there was a couple other scouts there. And they were saying, you know what, Montreal really needs to, to put them over the edge would be a, a, a big shot on the point and someone who could quarterback the power play. And, uh, man, they could really use some toughness back there and someone who could, uh, you know, 
be a little bit physically imposing. And I'm hearing this, and I'm, and I'm, but I'm sitting right there, right? I'm overhearing it, but I went home that night and I thought, everything they just said is what I would like to be, you know, is what I think I can be. I just haven't, I haven't showed it. And so with, with that kind of, uh, you know, other professionals, other scouts seeing that and me feeling that a little bit, and then me getting an opportunity to play like that, um, things just kind of fell into place. And, and once you get a taste of that, you hear it all the time, right? Once you get a taste of a little success, you don't ever want it to stop. And so I thought that, you know, as long as I was getting an opportunity and then we'd started, I mean, it was easy to, all I had to do was shoot the puck. You got Kovalev and Koivu and, you know, Mike Ryder, Markov pass. I didn't have to do anything. I was just the residual, you know, result of all these guys who, who are much more skilled than me. Um, the puck started going in the net and that it just kind of went from there. So it was kind of, I was put in an opportunity uh, which I hadn't had before like that. And, and a little bit of, you know, determination and willingness to, to practice harder to, you know, instead of being the first guy out of the rink, uh, you know, I'd have to stay and I'd have to work on my shot. I'd, I'd go out and practice as early. And, and so the opportunity came is when they seen that I was putting in a little bit more work, um, the opportunity came and, uh, and I didn't ever want that to stop. So um, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, we had some success early like that. Now, I, I want to fast forward to your time in Edmonton here. You signed a, a, a huge contract. You know, you cash in on, on a great year. And, uh, you know, we saw it here in Vancouver with Roberto Luongo. Because of that contract, you kind of became a little bit difficult to move if they wanted to. Uh, did that change things for you? What was that whole situation like? Well, it was mine was a little different than that. You know, I just come off being an all-star. I'd gotten hurt. Um, what happened was I got hurt in a fight with Joe McGinma and earlier that season, I, I'd gotten hurt because I was going back to get a puck. He put his stick in my skates. I, I got a concussion. I missed a lot of time. So, you know, you know how it goes, what goes around comes around. So we're playing them in, um, uh, I think it was sometime in January and I got the fight with Jerome again. The coach gives me the tap. He goes, if you ever want to get even with him, now's the time. So I went out, and, and Iggy, being the, the totally honest and, and respectful player he is, he obliged me. We fought, and I broke my hand. The, the course of the, the, what happened during that is that I broke my hand. I got an infection in my hand. Uh, it happened over the Olympic break. When I was going back to Edmonton to see the doctor, the team was traveling after Olympic break uh, to Nashville and I got super sick. So on my way back from LA to, to Edmonton, I got really sick. I had to call an ambulance. Uh, and I ended up being in the, in the ICU for like 10 days and they were going to cut my hand off. Okay. Oh so that's, that's what, was, that, that's the reality. That's what was going to happen. And the team was on the road. So they didn't really know too much because I couldn't communicate with this, with them. Everything happened so fast. Right. Well, what happened was uh, the GM and the coach and the owner had said that I was faking an injury because I didn't want to play because I was waiting to be traded. So I'm in the hospital. I'm full of all sorts of drugs. They're going to cut my hand off. And I got management saying that I'm faking an injury. So we fast forward that to at the end of that season, uh, probably a little too emotional and, 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 you know, let my feelings probably get the better of me. And they didn't like that. I, I can get that. But I came into training camp that year, very motivated to play well enough to get traded. 
Well, Edmonton didn't even give me the, the chance to participate in training camp. They said I wasn't invited. They did this. And then I couldn't, they sent me back home to LA. I couldn't skate. And so I wasn't tradable. You know, they sent me to the minors, um, which I hadn't been in the minors in oh, about uh, 14 years. And it wasn't because of the way I was playing. I never stepped foot in training camp. You know, they were going to send me, you know, down there to teach me a lesson. And a couple games in down in the minors, you know, everyone wants to make a name for themselves. So I got in a fight and I broke my hand again. And um, I called the, the management. I said, what do you guys think was going to happen? You bunch of idiots. And, and that was it. So they didn't, you know, they weren't looking to trade me that year. They weren't looking to, to move me. It wasn't, they, were, they weren't actively trying to trade me. And what had happened is I'd gotten hurt, you know, down in the minors. So I really became untradeable. And they weren't even going to buy me out that next year, actually. Uh, you know, they really wanted to stick it to me. And, and I'm glad they did because I got an opportunity in Dallas. But the whole situation in Edmonton happened because of that. It wasn't because I was, you know, uh, it was too cold in Edmonton or I didn't like the arena. I mean, that's where I'm from. You know, to put on that jersey was really, it, it was a big thrill for my family. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I signed there, right? I mean, Montreal was great, but I'm from Edmonton. So the, to put on uh, the Oilers jersey was, was a big thrill. And so through all that, I mean, what I learned in that whole, um, that whole debacle is there's a business side to it. I love playing hockey. I'm a hockey player. I know people are like, you know, I see it with LeBron. Shut up and just play basketball. I, but at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're humans. There's a human element to it. And... Um, you know, I learned that it's a business and I'm not bigger than, than the business. Uh, you know, they, they really, honestly, at the end of the day, Edmonton could have stuck it to me for another year. They didn't in, in hindsight, it worked out great. I got to go to Dallas, you know, prove I still had, uh, something left in the tank and got to sign another contract in, in Anaheim. So, um, it just taught me that there's a business side to things and, um, and you know, Hey, sometimes it's not pretty. That's incredible, man. It, it's amazing, you know, the, what what you see and hear as a fan as opposed to what's going on behind closed doors. That's just crazy. So uh, how, how's the well, hand doing now? It's very hard to, uh, well, thanks for asking. It's good. But, you know, it, it's hard in those situations to, to for me to, let's say, you know, talk to the image in general. Well, this is what happened. This is my side of the story. People don't care. You know what I mean? They, they don't care. There's not a it's like, shut up and do your job. And I get it. Fans are demanding. You're making a lot of money. Um, especially in a place like Edmonton, where I was a local guy, it's like, you should just be happy. You're making, you know, X amount of dollars. Yeah. But you know, my reputation is, is important to me too. And I'm not trying to fake an interest. As a matter of fact, if I lose my hand, you know, then, then my life is, is going to be dramatically different looking, looking down the road. So, um, you know, no one wanted to hear it. And, and, and you, you know, you, people aren't privy to all the things that go on and, and they shouldn't be. There's some things that should stay behind closed doors, but I think that whole, that whole situation, um, went from zero to a hundred really quick and probably could have been avoided, uh, had we just had some conversations, but you know, that's hindsight and, and everything worked out. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, well, I, I wanted to get into the, the latter part of your career, but we're up against the break here. Um, you are a good man. You are a tremendous guest, a hell of a hockey player. Truly appreciate it, buddy. At S. Sure on Twitter. Check him out. 
Uh, thank you so much for coming on with us, Sheldon. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, boys. Yeah. See you later. See you, man. That interview powered by Pastime Sports and Games, the big autograph signing. Just a couple of weeks away, Marcus Naslin at their new location in Metrotown. Cannot wait for that. And that was a great chat with Sheldon Saray. Awesome guy. Tons of stories. Up yeah. and down career. Very enlightening. I, I mean, I had no idea about the hand thing. No, that was crazy. And 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 I, you know, and I was just like I was saying to him, like as fans, you just see what comes out in the news. You know, it goes across the ticker. It looks like oh, Sheldon Saray is causing some problems. Management's not happy. But no, 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 no. There was a lot more to it. Guy almost had his hand chopped off. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Crazy. It was. Uh, and I'm I'm really happy for him that he was able to kind of reclaim his career a little bit, at least come back on his own terms for a couple of seasons anyways. He got his 100th goal while playing for Anaheim, and that probably wouldn't have happened if he was still buried in the minors. Uh, also really fascinated about how he became the power play quarterback, just overhearing a couple of scouts in the press box while he was a healthy scratch. Turned yeah. his entire career around. Yeah, amazing. Just eavesdropping. But the luck on this guy, wins the AHL, wins the Calder, comes up, wins the Stanley Cup, I mean, where, where else is there to go after that? Well, that's what he found out the hard way because he yeah. showed up really out of shape. He said, like, Lou Lemoreau saved his career. So. You get a ring as a black ace, am I right? I don't know how that works. Yeah. Do you get, like, a... It's got to be, like, a black turtleneck. <laughs> at <laughs> <Yeah>. least. <laughs> that, that's the big prize. It's it's worth just as much. You get a, a playing card. <laughs> and it is the Queen of Spades. It's not the black ace. Signed by Lou Lemoreau. Yeah, so Sheldon Surrey, fantastic guest. We can't thank him enough. And again, if you want to rehear that interview, it'll be up on iTunes, it'll be up on Spotify, it'll be up on sportsnet650.ca, all that stuff. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we are going to dive into an awesome article that The Athletic put out this week where they interviewed a bunch of NHL players and kind of did their midseason polls, what they like about the NHL, what they dislike, their favorite referees. Uh, who Who would you most want to have a beer with in the NHL? We're going to break all that down in uh, just a few minutes. It is Green Man Radio. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. We'll be back. Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Welcome back to Green Man Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Final segment. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. Hope you've enjoyed the show so far. A couple of fantastic guests, Mason Raymond and Sheldon Surrey. Awesome interviews and uh, kind of self-serving on our part a little bit, but we did ask them their thoughts on the Green Men. That was kind of cool to get some feedback from them. It's always kind of neat to see what goes on behind the scenes in the locker room. Because, I mean, you know, we, we always kind of hammed it up a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're having a huge impact on the game. And, you know, we're just throwing that out there, even though it's we knew that. obviously not true. But it is kind of cool to hear that, yeah, the players are taking notice. And uh, unfortunately for Sheldon Surrey, we went against him in that instance. But yeah, I've always been a fan. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and he was appreciative of it. He knows. He, <laughs> yeah. he said it was entertainment. Now, it's all in good fun. He did compare us to a player, well, not so much a player, but a mascot who's in a lot of trouble right now. We never went this far. Have you heard of what happened to Gritty this week? No. this is. I saw the Astros garbage can. Oh, this is much worse. Oh, Gritty okay. is being investigated by the Philadelphia Police Department for assault. What? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A 13-year-old boy has accused Gritty of punching him as hard as he could to the point where he has had medical issues and has seen a chiropractor. Wow. Apparently, during a photo signing, photo shoot, whatever, 
the kid tapped him on the head, which you, that happened to us a bunch mm, where people are just yeah, kind of, you know, little, little jerk teenagers. Yeah, yeah. But we never hauled off and punched somebody. Apparently, Gritty took a running start and clocked this kid. Now, while I'm not backing Gritty here because that doesn't sound like it's good news by any means, yeah, I feel like as a mascot and, and the size of Gritty, you know, is the... I feel like there was at least some foot stomping going on there. It's not just a tap on the head. Exactly. Yeah, you know how many times we had like idiots, drunk idiots, like slapping our butts or whatever. Like it was weird. But yeah, I never, I never punched anybody. No, I I never turned around and sucked anybody. I mean, we we got punched and kicked in Boston. Now, reading the full article, it kind of sounds a bit like a money grab because the dad's a season ticket holder and he's like, well, I want tickets and I want my son to go down on the bench between game uh, during a game and I want like autographs and. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. So, Gritty's in trouble. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't it, like it one bit. It's not good. All right, for our final segment tonight, I want to get into something really cool The Athletic did earlier this week. They reached out to a bunch of players around the NHL and asked them a variety of questions, and they responded, and we have the results. So, I know that, uh, Sully, you have not seen the results, so we'll kind of do a little quiz show, uh, quiz show style. Mm-hmm. I figure I'll throw it out to you, and then you kind of just let me know what your thought is, and I'll tell you what the players did. Happy and you can play it. along at home. So the athletic player poll, the first question was fairly easy. Who's the best player in the NHL right now? Uh, now, is this like who I want on my team sort of thing, or just the best? The best player right now. The best of the best. Um, I do like the looks of Mr. Pasternak. Um, Interesting. I'm going to go with, I'll go with Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid I feel was like that's the most the number common. One, right? 63% of players said Connor McDavid. Yeah. 17 said Nate McKinnon. 15 said Crosby. And then there was uh, 5% spread it amongst the rest. Pasternak was one of the votes. Austin Matthews, another. Okay. So there you go. That makes it. I mean, I, I can see that one coming. The guy's the most flashy. He's the most well-known, I'd say, in the NHL right now. Absolutely. All right. Before we move on to the next one, I do have to, because we just mentioned Crosby, and that is perfect because it is time for the Burrard Physiotherapy Injury Report. Life comes at you fast. The holiday hangover may not be the only injury you're nursing this new year, whether it's falling off a bar stool or falling off your bike. The team at Burrard Physiotherapy ready to help keep you in action. The therapists at Burrard Physio know what it feels like to get knocked down on the mat. And we also know how to get you back up on your feet to kick off 2020. Located in the heart of downtown Vancouver, Burrard Physiotherapy, the home of rehab you can trust. Remember, at Burrard Physiotherapy, you are in the right hands. Sidney Crosby, missing nearly two months of action for what they said is a core muscle injury, which I only recently learned is the fancy way now of saying hernia surgery. Mm-hmm. They don't say hernia surgery anymore. Yeah, because that sounds like it's it's pretty big time. Yes. So now it is uh, core abductor muscles, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyways, Sidney Crosby no longer injured, but he is back and he has been unreal. What mm-hmm. do you think? Five games so far, eight points, four points in that first game. I mean, you missed two months. You think that, like, again, they tear open your abs for yeah. surgery, and now he's back ripping it up. What do you think of Sidney Crosby so far? I'm very impressed so far. I mean, I've had family members that have had to get uh, pretty intense surgery sort of thing and where they have to kind of tear through muscle there, and it takes a long time to get back from that. I mean, to have just the patience and the mindset these guys do just to take it day by day, not go too hard, but still work that muscle best you can, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing. His play behind the net, I, uh, I don't even know who the defender was, but I felt so bad for him in the wild because he like, was full speed, stops on a dime, off the back of the, the net, bank. pass to yeah. himself. Like, what are you doing? In your first game back, take yeah. it easy. Stop embarrassing us. So, yeah, 
Uh, Crosby uh, still averaging over a point a game this season. Very impressive there. All right, let's keep this athletic player poll going, though, because the next question they pose to the players, which goalie in the NHL would you want in your net for a Game 7? Ooh, wow. Uh, well, we kind of we kind of threw this out there a couple weeks ago when we were talking about goalies in the midseason report cards, and I threw it out there that I kind of liked Freddie Anderson right now. Um, and I remember getting shots, getting shots fired from that side of the desk. Uh, but no, you know what? I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Freddie. He did not get a vote. Yeah. Okay. Well, he did. He got one now. All right. <laughs> yeah, all right. I uh, any can I quickly hazard a guess of anybody? There's there's a top five. Okay, well, okay. You know what? I I, I take that back. I, I I like I like Freddie. It's just like that's probably just a personal preference. But uh, let's go with Hellebuck. He also did not get a vote. Hellebuck to get a vote? No, but Anderson in Game Seven of any NHL goal, you're like I trust Freddie Anderson in my net. Well, I don't yeah. trust the Leafs or the Jets in a Game Seven, but that wasn't the question. No. All right. Well, the answer, according to the players, at least thirty three percent of the vote, Carey Price. No? No. He is arguing, I mean... When was the last time he was he was in a Game 7? Do we have stats on that? I don't know. When was the last time he was in the playoffs? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. So <laughs> yeah. there's, 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 you know, there's some wear on those tires. There's right. rust on the car. Uh, 23% of the vote, Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, kind of get that one. Absolutely. 11% Andre Vasilevsky, 7% to Jordan Bennington and Tuka Rask, and Jacob Markstrom got a vote. Wow. So, yeah. I don't say. I don't know if, like, players from your own team could vote for you because I feel that one might have come from within yeah. the Canucks locker room. I, I like the Bennington. Don't get me wrong. I think that's a great call. But, yeah, you know what? If, if I could go back 10 seconds, I'll throw Marc-Andre Fleury a vote for sure. I don't think there's anybody more clutch than this guy. I, yeah, Mark. Yeah, he'd probably get my vote. Over the, over the last half decade. It's just a little... He has those playoff blow-up games, though, right? Like, he we've does. seen that before. Remember, in the, the Flyer series allowed, like, can, eight Can goals. you say that about Carey Price? No. no, you can't because nobody remembers. <laughs> True. It's a ridiculous poll. All right. Uh, next one on the athletic player poll. They were asked, who's the most underrated player in the NHL? Ooh. Now, this one, I this is kind of a dumb one because all four players that got like listed yeah. are all-stars or like award winners. So they can't be that underrated. Yeah. Yeah, you, you make uh, the top okay. two are teammates. Ooh. Um, are we looking to Tampa Bay? Uh, Braden Point was finished fourth with 3% of the vote. Okay. Uh, his teammate Anthony Sorelli also got a, uh, got a vote. But number one with 22% is uh, Alex Barkov. Number yeah. two okay. was Jonathan Huberto. I think it's just because they get lost in Florida. But yeah, those guys are like... Yeah. I, I've always been a Barkov fan. Yeah. So that's a great call. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom was third with 8%, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but that yeah, underrated player is kind of a weird one. Like, underrated player is... Well, to me, like a guy who plays on the third line in PK and like you just don't really notice. Like, yeah. You're like... You don't notice him unless he's on your team. Talking about a guy like like Backstrom, who's just like an incredible specimen and who's been yeah. tearing up the league for years. How is he underrated? Just because he's not as appreciated as Crosby or something like that? That's that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the blue collar guys that put out like a great effort. Those guys should be talked about more. I'm trying to think of one on the fly right now, but I can't. But like I, I like yeah. Ant- Anthony Sorelli with the Lightning is a very good example. Like a third line guy gets a little bit of power play time. It, it all makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get this thing going. We got a few more of these. Uh, the dirtiest player in the NHL. Nakachuk. Next. The, yeah. Uh, he finished third with third. third with 11% of the vote. Okay, okay. Who do you think was number one with 29%? Is it Marshan? Yes. Yeah, okay. And then number two is also pretty obvious. 24% of the vote. Got suspended a lot. Won a Stanley Cup. Oh, I was... I was thinking Max Domi for some reason for one second, but that's definitely not fitting uh, the profile. Tom but. Wilson. 
Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. So, okay. yeah, the Marshan, yeah. Wilson, Kachuk, that all makes sense. Coming in at number four is mm-hmm. a Vancouver Canuck. Wow. Um, Jay Beagle. <laughs> like the most respected guy in the NHL. No, it's a guy they signed at the same time as Jay Beagle, Anton Roussel. Wow, okay. So, yeah. Hey, hey, there we go. Uh, I, think right. I think it'd be that like much time to to kind of give like a an Antoine Roussel like test group survey kind of thing. I think it's you know. Well, it's not just from the Canuck days, I guess. It goes back to him like in Dallas and Sure, okay. Yeah. That well, makes sense. Uh okay, we got three more. Uh, mm-hmm. this one pretty generic. Best defensive defenseman in the NHL. And there's like 30 players that got to vote for this one, but uh, winning was 17% was. Are any are any Canucks on this list? Chris Tanev got a single vote. There you go. Yeah. Okay. But not enough to finish in the top five. Getting the appreciation. Okay, okay. Um, uh, best defensive defenseman. Um, damn, I don't know. I, I For some reason, I keep thinking like the Sharks, but Carlson's very offensive. Yeah. Burns Two. offensive. Two of the top three play for the Lightning. Oh, we're talking. Okay, we're talking about the Bolts now. Okay, um, Headman. Headman was number one. Ryan McDonough was third. Yeah. Uh, Shea Weber at ten percent with second, and Mark Giordano, which I don't really think of as a defensive defenseman, but right, he got enough votes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's the the two that w- we have a bone to pick with Giordano. Yeah. On a side note, let's get into it. Should we get into? Yeah. It? Yeah. All right. Here we go. You know what? We might as well queue up that airing of grievances again. I'll tell you that because I'm still hot under the collar on this one. They bring us down. These guys, they're, they're this cast and call. We're looking for the green men. We need the green men. Where's the green men? So we get, for, for a TV commercial. Yeah, for a TV commercial. We get a call out of the blue. I'm watching TV. I don't remember what you're playing golf or something. We Our phones start blowing up. Every like Casting agents across the city looking for us. So we go down to this, this cast and call. There's a bunch of guys in green suits in the room waiting to go in to pretend to play the green men. We go in, we say, hey, yeah, like, we're, we're the guys. And the guy basically shuts down the audition, says, yeah, perfect, okay, this is your part, guys. This is, just come in, just do like a, you know, just for protocol, come into the callback. We go down, okay, great, yeah, you know what, we're going to set it up. Uh, we'll let you know probably next week. We're going to fly you out to Calgary. We're going to shoot this commercial. We don't get the part to play ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Giordano smacks one of us into a window for some... Stupid bank commercial. Yeah, Alberta Financial Bank. Yeah, and very upset even in the casting description, they described our body types. They're like, uh, the the taller, uh, heftier one, uh, we're looking for that. And then uh, also the the skinnier, <laughs> shorter one who does the handstands, who's more fit. I was like, all right, well, that's us. Yeah, I prefer to say athletic builds, but we can go skinny. All right. Athletic, well, I'm just reading what the casting call said. It's not my fault. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe that's why you didn't get the part. You came in too athletically yeah, fit. I didn't fit the profile. But yeah, they were definitely just uh, using it and abusing us. They're like, hey, can you show us like some of your moves? And then they just copied it for the commercial. So yeah, Mark Giordano, you might have got some votes for best defensive defenseman, but yeah, no. I'm, not, I'm not happy. You're, Sorry. A, you're a zero in our book. I sidetracked this whole thing. We got a few more categories. No, here, so. I, I'm glad you did because that has been eating away at me for years. So now yeah, we can kind right? of publicly air our grievance. Uh, the last two are the ones I really want to get into. The best player in the NHL to get a beer with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Five players. That's pretty great. Um, that's a good question. I, You know what? I feel like Marchand would be pretty cool to have a beer with. Um, even though I know he's annoying to a lot of people in this market. A lot of people don't like him in Vancouver. But I think I think he'd have some stories. And then uh, uh, let's put let's put McKinnon up there. 
They I think both, both solid picks, but they did not get Okay. Okay, uh, you know you know what? I know who finished first. You don't have to say it. Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton finished third, but yes, that okay, is Okay, Brent Burns is first. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? So I uh, I like Marchand. I agree with you on that one because he is like self-deprecating. He he screwed up on the shootout earlier this week and like then tweeted about it. He said, like, yeah. get, has anyone found my hands? Number one was Alex Ovechkin. I think it was just Purely yeah, okay. based on the Stanley Cup parade. I'd like to go swimming in a fountain with Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. Number two is Sidney Crosby, which he, I don't think he'd be on my list. He's a very like quiet, reserved guy, very yeah. private. But, you know, yeah. just you know, he'd have dude. a couple stories. And then uh, n- number stories. four is definitely uh, from, I think, the Spit and Chicklets guys having him on so much, but um, Yandel. Keith oh, yeah, Yandel. So, yeah, okay. That kind of makes sense. And I then the, so. the last one for you mm-hmm. is the players were asked about outdoor games. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are too many... Yeah. Not enough or just right? I think there are way too many. I think the novelty has completely worn off. And like it's gotten to the point because I used to I used to be zoned in. I used to love the outdoor, the winter classic, but it's gotten to the point where there's another stadium game and it comes on the highlights. I'm like, oh, they're playing in a football stadium. Like I, I have no idea. There's so many now. It's ridiculous. Do you know there's one tonight? Oh. And the jerseys are going downhill <laughs> heavily too. Oh, they're got, they're, it's like this weird, very generic... They've, they've run out of ideas for jerseys. They're just trying to make a quick buck. Yeah. Um, well, so the players, 58% said just right, 23% said too many, and 19% said not enough. So it's kind of split. Yeah. But yeah, I think the players enjoy it, but like they don't want their season decided by some freak outdoor oh, game in a snowstorm. Absolutely. Bring back the Heritage Classic at BC Place. I think that's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah, that went that over was well. such a success. <laughs> ended uh, Torts' time in Vancouver, essentially, and ended... <laughs> Ended Roberto Luongo's. Do you remember like the fake snow, like when they were coming out and like there was just a bunch of like cotton balls pretty much just dumped on the turf? It, it was not good. The jerseys <laughs> for that game were slick though. The millionaire All jerseys the were awesome. Yeah, See, that was good. So yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. So th- those are the player pool. Kind of interesting results and always nice to kind of get some inside feedback from the players. Yeah. Uh, as for this show, we're wrapping it up because it was fantastic. Any closing thoughts? Sheldon Surrey, Mason Raymond, uh, some great stories from both of them. Yeah, my, my mind was blown. I mean, it, we've done six episodes now. Is this six? Yeah, this is six, right? Okay. This is the I'm sixth episode. Count. The sixth episode, and every single episode, we learn something new about one of our favorite players in the game. And Sheldon Surrey, just a mind-blowing story. I still can't fathom what I heard. It was crazy. And, you know, generally when we're, we're going through questions, we're interviewing guys, you know, we'll line up the next question. We'll think, okay, this is what I'm going to ask. I, I was speechless. I'm like, I yeah. had absolutely no idea. I did not have a follow-up question to, the doctors are going to cut my hand off. Yeah. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Insane. So that was it was cool stuff. And uh, Mason Raymond, too, uh, really good insight and uh, clearly an affinity for Vancouver. Like yeah. He says he comes back here once a month with his wife and his kid. Yeah. Uh, um, I was hoping he'd be a little bit more like, yeah, I want to get into coaching, but... It sounds like he is super busy. I mean, he made he made some decent money in the NHL, but yeah. he's apparently right back into like the farming world. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's you know it it is a, a devastating topic at times, but I still love talking about you know preserving the memory of Rick Rippon. Like he was just such an entertaining player, such an awesome guy, and uh, to hear like Mason's thoughts, who who grew up with him, you know, just across his own backyard, sort of thing, uh, was very cool. Very good stuff. Uh, just a reminder, coming up on February 9th, our big sponsor. We're powered by Pastime Sports and Games, and they have a new location at Metrotown Mall. Marcus Naslin doing an autograph event February 9th, starting at 11 a.m. Tickets are going like crazy for this one. So 
uh, snatch them up if you can. Go down and check out a Canuck legend, Marcus Naslin. Uh, we are off next week because there is a Canuck game, but we will be back next Wednesday, the following Wednesday. That is February 5th. A couple of former Canucks on the show. A little teaser on that one? Um, if I went to the beach, I'd build a castle and nothing rhymes with Antosky. So yeah. <laughs> that could not have been better. Uh, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan, we are checking out. Thanks for joining us tonight. And again, you can catch up on all past episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and sportsnet.ca. See ya. See ya.